0: My name is Ronika Jacobs, and you found my podcast, Strive for More, Your Best Life Now. While there are hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there, you've taken the time out to listen to this one. So for that, I would like to say thank you. So without any further delay, let's get to it. Let's strive for more. My next guest, Tom King, is helping people strive for more in the area of health and wellness. Tom is the CEO of Saviva Brands Incorporated. He founded this company in 1999 and is one of the largest importers, manufacturers, and distributors of clean label sweetening systems and natural sweeteners. In this episode, he will discuss his process and journey of being an entrepreneur and how he determined his why for starting a business. Hi, Tom. Welcome. Thank you so much for being a guest on my show. How are you?
1: I'm doing terrific, Ronika. Thank you so much for having me on your show. This is a great way to start my Saturday, and I'm so looking forward to, uh, to engaging you in some conversation
0: anytime I meet someone who is a true entrepreneur where they really have taken the time out to build a brand, I mean, and, and I'm not taking a shot at other entrepreneurs and other people who have started companies, uh, you know, but there are a lot of people that start companies and um, they really haven't thought about everything, like, you know, from start to finish and all the facets that are involved. And as I've been doing research for your episode and re- research on you—you you truly have thought about what your brand is and and what you want to present to the world. I think that's amazing. So, how how did you come about this process? You know, with the the Viva brand, you know, because it's hard. Like we got sweeteners out there, so you mm, got to be able to sure. stand out, right? <laughs> so, talk yeah. about that process, 30.
1: Um, well, I'm mean, for me, I'd say it was a big process of multiple failures, and, you know, that I just uh, converted over to opportunities to learn, but more importantly, grow. So, I mean, it was just, you know, I, I honestly, my background was marketing and intellectual property law, and, you know, never did I think that I would be getting involved as an ingredient supplier and, you know, a supplier – of sweeteners. But yeah, it just, it was a, I, I guess you could say it was just serendipitous. You know, I was living in Phoenix, Arizona and ran into a gentleman who had just come back from Paraguay with a, a vial of, uh, of crushed up leaves in a paste. And he asked me to try it. I'm like, all right, let's, let's see what this is. And so I tried it and it was about 25 times sweeter than sugar. And I was just completely blown away by it. I'm, I, I was just, you know, obsessed. And at that point, I think that that's when my true sort of entrepreneurial side kicked in because I thought, you know, if somebody could find a way to extract these sweet constituents from these leaves, this would be a great, this would be a great natural replacement for aspartame, which was, the, which was the sweetener, you know, that was most prevalent at the time. And that is what began my journey
0: you know, sweeteners, like how, how you know, because there's a, a million different businesses. I mean, of course, with sure. the guy coming back with the seeds and all of that, but, uh-huh. I mean, why sweeteners in particular?
1: Well, you know what, I, I am a, I, I would say, a reformed sugar addict, and, I mean, there's a lot of people that I run into that say, oh, yeah, I'm addicted to sugar. Well, let me tell you, they don't know what addicted to sugar is until you are really addicted to sugar, and so, you know in you know in my youth i used to take a can of pepsi and actually empty a little out and then pour a bag of m&ms into the into the pepsi so it was like i could wow. not get enough sh- yeah i could not get enough sugar and so as i got older i started to see that you know consuming so much sugar was you know was having an effect on me It affected my weight it affected my uh, ability to focus and so that's when you know, I started a battle with sugar. And then, so when I ran into those leaves, you know, the stevia leaves, that's when, you know, for me, it defined my why. Like, why would I do this? Because I am, you know, a recovering sugar addict. And I know that there's others out there that are also recovering sugar addicts. And this was, gave me an opportunity to to do good and you know, not only for others but for myself, and also to do well. And that is, and that was really the why behind. Okay, sweeteners. This is what it's going to be.
0: Now, you talk about um, that your products, as far as sweeteners, they can effectively help to combat metabolic disease. Can mm-hmm. you kind of explain a little bit first what is a metabolic disease uh, for the listeners? Yeah, that's here, a- some people. Yeah,
1: that's a really good that's a really good question. And metabolic disease is, is when your when your body is unable to uh, to be able to metabolize the sugar that you're bringing into your body. Which means that when you eat, let's say you eat let's say you eat a donut, okay, and your body is only able to take is only able to metabolize so much of those sugars that you're bringing in. And the rest of it is stored as lipids, which is fat, and it means belly fat. And so as you store more belly fat and your body is trying to produce more insulin uh, to be able to, you know, to equalize the amount of sugar that you're putting in, what happens is something that's called insulin resistance. And it means that your body's not producing enough insulin to keep you stable. And that's where you see people suffering from type 2 diabetes. It's like, well, you know, I'm taking drugs to be able to help balance my blood sugar. And really what that means is to help balance my my insulin. And so when you become insulin resistant, that's when metabolic disease starts to set in. And you can usually... I mean, even just looking at somebody, you can immediately tell if they're suffering from metabolic disease because the weight gathers right around the midsection. So when you see people that have skinny legs, skinny arms, but in that, you know, in their midsection, they're carrying a lot of weight if they're pear-shaped and stuff like that. That is where your body is storing all of the sugars that you're taking in that you're unable to metabolize. So if we were cavemen, you know. That would make sense because, you know, we'd go through periods of feast and famine and you'd want to store that fat so you could have it during, um, you know, during times of famine. Um, but we don't live like that anymore. Like, we don't, we're not running for, from saber-toothed tigers and bears and dinosaurs. We're right. living in a world of, of somewhat abundance we've got plenty of food.
0: No, that's true, and it's amazing. We are, especially in the United States, we are a country of abundance, and my goodness, and let's not even get into the conversation about wastefulness. <laughs> but um, no. you're right, though. Um, but, you know, lots of people say, you know, I'm a professed foodie. You know, that's kind of the, the term that people throw around is just being a foodie and, right. and, and, and all of that. But then, you know, as of late, there has been this great push for natural and organic food options and a lot of, you know, restaurants that are what we call, you know, farm-to-table, which they're restaurants that I love, absolutely love. So what types of products can you offer to business owners who are restaurant owners? Like what types of sweeteners and products does your company provide?
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good question. And so, I mean, we, you know, we're probably one of the leading suppliers in the United States, if not globally, of alternative sweeteners for food manufacturers. So, as far as, like, restaurants go, I mean, we don't supply a ton of restaurants, but we do have, you know, like, for bigger restaurants, they'd be able to, you know, buy our sweeteners from us. And there's, there's, a variety of sweeteners that we have that work and function in different you know in different applications, like if you're looking to cook or bake with a sweetener, um, you know you could you, we have sweeteners that actually will um, you know that work with with leavening, you know to so you've got products that actually rise like yeast and and baking powder, and we have sweeteners that caramelize um similar to sugar, but none of them actually contain. Um, you know, regular sugars. They're all, are, all alternative sweeteners that are all natural that don't raise blood sugar blood sugar levels, and you know, and don't you know perpetuate metabolic disease. So there's yeah, there's several sweeteners to choose from, and that's where you know that's where we really work with customers. That you know, they come to us and they're like, hey, you know what? We've got a recipe for you know for a bake mix. Right now, it's got, you know, 23 grams of carbohydrates and 10 grams of added sugars. And we would like this to be more keto-friendly or, you know, at least have reduced sugar. And that's where we we step in. It's like, yeah, we can help you with this recipe and give you some solutions. So more than a, a sweetener company, I like to think of this as a solutions provider.
0: Wow. And, and that's what a true entrepreneur does is they provide an alternative solution. And I think you're doing a great job of that. So why specifically should a person use the Viva brand? I mean, of course, there's all these other uh-huh. sweeteners out there, right, that both like, you know, that are different from this traditional sugar. Uh-huh. Um, so what makes your product you know, that much more different? Like, what are you doing to stand out?
1: Well, I mean, I would say that our processes are more natural, and we don't have any fillers. So, like, if, you know, if you go to, you know, if you go to the market, uh, you know, and you're looking for stevia or you're looking for alternative sweeteners, you're going to find a lot of those sweeteners contain fillers. And a lot of times those fillers are, like, called maltodextrin, and they're starches, and they don't really – Help. I mean, you might get some calorie abatement, but you're still going to be getting sugars and starches. So we don't add any of those starches or you know or things that extend you know the you know our sweetener. I mean, they're all natural ingredients, and none of them are designed as fillers. So I would say that that's probably you know one of our differential competitive advantages. I'd also say that another you know another advantage that we have is that we, you know, that we third-party test all of our ingredients. So when we start bringing ingredients in to manufacture our sweetener blends, we test them for, you know, heavy metals, yeasts, molds, um, you know, and anything that you, you know, even petrochemicals. It, sometimes there's arsenic in, in some products that people bring in. But we test all of that, um, you know, and our process that we use of extracting these sweet constituents Uses only water, like hot water, and you know, and some alcohol, some natural vegetable alcohol. So, I think that our products are just, you know, just a little cleaner, and um, you know, and I and I think that you know over time that that really makes a difference.
0: And I know having a sweetener company, you know, you really have to mm-hmm. research all about sugar and what it really does to the uh-huh. body. Even though we love it, like you said, you're a recovering addict. I know, like, I try so hard not to put, like, lots of sugar in my coffee. um, But I find myself putting, like, three or four packs of sugar. And it's just like, what are you doing, (laughs) Renika? Like, (laughs) you're putting all this sugar in your coffee. And so I often wonder, you know, with the crash, I don't know if it's the coffee, I think it might be the sugar, Uh, the amount of sugar you put in there. um, But, you know, can you kind of share? you know, as you go along your research, what you have found, like why sugar is so bad and what it does to us. Aside, I know people understand about the whole process of diabetes. We get that part. But, you know, can you truly like share with the listeners, you know, as they're striving for more and better health, like truly what does Uh sugar do to us and why do we need an alternative sugar or sweetener?
1: Right. Well, I would, I would say um, I mean first and foremost um, the in- interesting thing about sugar is that it triggers the same pleasure zones in your brain as cocaine so what can happen is that i mean and and you can even look at the American palate like uh, in comparison to you know other you know other uh, countries like our our perception of sweetness is is so greatly exaggerated so what I mean by that is that you know once you have a little sugar then you're going to need a little more sugar and a little more sugar and a little more sugar so what i found over the years is when i help um when i help our customers reformulate their products that it it it's usually 2 to 3 times sweeter than other products on a global level and it's because we've become sort of desensitized to a sweet taste and you know so i'd say that probably you know when people say, "Oh, yeah, I'm a sugar addict," well, that's a real thing because it is triggering those those particular zones in your brain that that drive your desire to have more and more and more and so the more you have you know the sicker you become because your body's only able to metabolize so much sugar, so if you're taking in too much sugar, all it's doing is it's it's shifting your metabolism, it's storing it as um you know as lipids or fat around your middle so it it's sort of a self perpetuating uh addiction and disease
0: I definitely can tell you know when it comes to sugar and using sugar you know e- even with my kids you mm-hmm. know i even as a kid even my own self you know you've caught i've caught my kids and I can remember as a kid like like eating just pure sugar like reaching into <laughs> the sugar jar. And just, mm. like, pouring sugar, <laughs> you know, into your mouth. <laughs> and as a kid, yeah, yeah. you're not understanding. You're just knowing, like, it just tastes so good. But then after a while, you realize, like, or, you know, pouring, like, you get your um, your cornflakes or your frosted flakes or Cheerios, yeah. you know, and putting all that sugar <laughs> into your cereal, so where you you uh-huh. finish your cereal, I don't know if you've ever, you know, did this as a kid, and then you have all your milk, and then, like, there's all this sugar <laughs> that's left over, yeah. you know, and it's just interesting that you don't think about it as a kid, that you're eating uh-huh. all of that, and that the effect long-term it will have on your body later um, as, it, as it relates to your metabolism. Because when you're young, you don't think about your metabolism. That's the leap of your worries. <laughs> you, don't right. <laughs> you don't think about that. You don't think about that till you get older
1: yeah well there's you know there's another factor to it as well. I mean, you can look at you know metabolic disease and and diabetes, but when you really start peeling away the layers and you start looking at cancer, you know it's cancer cells feed on on glucose, and you know it, that might sound like a controversial statement, but it is completely not so when when somebody when somebody goes in for for a PET scan you know, to see if they've got cancer or to see if the cancer cells are growing that they they have, they actually give you, you know, give you a shot of, you know, of a glucose serum, um, you know, with a radioactive isotope in it that shows up under your PET scan. And so the reason it shows up is because the cancer cells are so hungry for glucose. They're so hungry for sugar that the uptake, shows up because it shows where all of those radioactive isotopes are going. And that is how they, you know, that's how they can measure tumors and stuff like that outside of the body with a a PET scan. So, I mean, if you can eliminate sugar, I'm not saying it's a cure for cancer if you eliminate sugar, but it will certainly slow the growth of cancerous tumors. So, I mean, there's a lot of factors behind, you know, a reason why why a person should eat, less sugar. You know, one of them is metabolic disease, but also, you know, the secondary one is, um, is cancer and also, um, like neurological, you know, like, uh, conditions like Alzheimer's, you know, and, uh, and dementia. I mean, they're, those are being referred to now as diabetes type three, because it it is also a function of having too much, uh, too much glucose in your system. And, your brain is unable to actually flush out, um, you know, all of the used up material um, because of this. So, I mean, there's so many factors that eating too much sugar leads to. And and we don't really need to eat added sugar, Like, right? If you have a small piece of fruit, that is going to be probably just about as much sugar as you're going to need for the day. So, and And when you look at processed food as well, Like, the question I get asked so much, and and it's interesting to me, I get asked repeatedly, it's like, well, you know, is this a conspiracy by food manufacturers for us to get addicted to their foods? Because when you look at processed food, you go down the processed food aisle and you start reading labels, you're just going to see label after label with added sugars and added sugars. So people that buy into the whole conspiracy theory thing, I think that, food manufacturers are adding this to food to get you addicted. But that's not true. I don't think that that's true at all. I think that food manufacturers, there's a lot of them that are great companies, but the reason that they use so much sugar is because sugar is cheap. So sugar is a, is a subsidized crop. Like our, our government subsidized, subsidizes sugar, the sugar industry. And so they can sell sugar so cheap, and if they go to a company, let's say ketchup, right? So ketchup has more sugar than ice cream. It's crazy. And so when you look at the original recipes for ketchup, it was just basically tomato paste, vinegar, you know, and there would be some sugar in it, but it wasn't like it is now where the number one ingredient in ketchup is sugar. Um, And the reason that is is because it's so cheap. It's 15 cents a pound where buying tomato paste and other ingredients can run – you know, a dollar to two dollars a pound. So when you start, when you start doing the economics to it, it just makes sense for a company to add sugar because it's a cheap ingredient and it, you know, and it tastes good.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, it does. <laughs> you know, it, <laughs> it, it does. I, it, and it's interesting because as a kid, I really wasn't. Uh, after a while, I kind of shifted, and I didn't eat a lot of sweets. I really wasn't into a lot of candy and sh- and sugar and mm-hmm. um, like cookies and cakes and stuff. But as I've gotten older, um, I'm like, bring on the red velvet, bring on the red velvet cheesecake. <laughs> pancakes, and this is insane, (laughs) and just more and more, and, uh, you know, I realize as I get older, my metabolism is not the same uh, as it used to be, Mm -hmm. so, you know, and my energy as well, and speaking of energy, so keto, uh, of course, you know, there's a, full you know, understand ketosis and trying to get that, you know, your body into that certain, Uh you know, rank level, right, and everybody's got these
1: different
0: keto diets that they're trying to try, even though, you know, it's also found uh-huh. that you have to be careful to get your body into that certain state, and it needs to be a slow process and not a quick process. So talk a little bit about how keto can you know, really multiply your energy so people can really understand the benefits of being in that state, in a keto state. And then you have a new line of products, right, that um, are, are for the keto lifestyle. So you know, just talk, talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, and I like that you use the, the term lifestyle because keto needs to be a lifestyle in order for it to be uh, effective because, I mean, I used to practice keto intermittently. So what I would do is I would eat whatever I wanted. I'd start getting fat. When I started seeing that I was putting on too much weight, I would, I would do Atkins, which at the time was keto-ish. It's not really fully keto. But I would use it as sort of a modality to lose weight when I got when I got fat. But um, you know, when I wrote my book, Guy Gone Keto, I it it it, it was sort of the perfect storm because I was carrying about 35 pounds of extra weight. I was in Las Vegas. I you know was um, having dinner with one of my suppliers, and they bought and I had steak, and I had potatoes, and I had wine, and I had cake. And I went back up to my room and I looked in the mirror and I was just hit that, I hit that point where, where, you know, the pain of how I looked and how I felt exceeded the pleasure that I was deriving from, from eating all the carbs and all the sugar. And at that point, that's when I just sat down with, you know, with a pencil and a journal and I started writing, I started writing down the things that it would take to, to, actually make a lifestyle. And I would say the greatest epiphany that I had while I was doing that is that, you know what, right now I'm living to eat and I need to shift that from eating to live. And, you know, that journey, you know, that I, that I wrote into that book is really helped me. And, and it led me to this point of self-discovery where it's like our bodies are these amazing, like, I mean, they're just amazing factories. Like our liver our liver is just like it's multi-purpose. Like our liver will will metabolize fructose. So when you eat a piece of fruit, it'll metabolize fructose and put it, puts it into fat storage. But it also metabolizes fat. So our liver is like this fat metabolizing machine, you know. And if you if it if you deprive your body of other of, of carbs and sugars, your liver will really move on the fat. So like okay, so let's take this fat. And let's just convert it, and so your your liver actually takes the fat and converts it to ketones and a lot of people are like, "Well what are ketones and it's like ketones ketones are actually compounds that your brain can metabolize instead of glucose and the only thing I can tell you is when you when your body moves from metabolizing glucose and metabolizing sugars you know for its source of energy and and it starts metabolizing fats as your source of energy, it's like somebody turned the light up in the room. Like, you just wake up, and it's like, whoa, I have all this energy. I don't need coffee. I don't need my afternoon nap. And and the clarity, like your brain, you don't get brain fog. It just completely, completely clears. And that's the feeling of actually... Being in ketosis and how how you get there is you eliminate sugar and carbs. Like the, the ketogenic diet, really relies mostly on fat. So you're eating 70% fat, you're eating 20% protein, and 10% carbs. And those carbs all come from vegetables and vegetables that grow above the ground, not under the ground like potatoes, but above the ground like broccoli and lettuce and and cauliflower. And if you are able to adopt that lifestyle, you'll have longevity, you'll have mental clarity, you'll have more energy, and you're going to lose a lot of weight. Your body is going to normalize, and you'll be at that normal weight that you should be, because that's how our bodies function best.
0: Wow. Wow. And I, I, you know, and I I try my best to live the most, you know, healthy lifestyle and cook and, you know, not putting too many, you know, seasoning and salt. Um, Salt is actually my vice, (laughs) not so much as sugar, Mm -hmm. um, but uh, salt is is the one that, I I mean, I'll pop popcorn and then I'll put extra salt on it. And, you know, (laughs) people are like, Mm -hmm. why are you adding salt to your popcorn? (laughs) So... But you know, and it's just, you know, but we all have it. It's either you're on the sugar side or you're on the salt side, or maybe you're on both, you know, and just really understanding all these additives, you know, that we're adding Mm -hmm. to our foods because our foods are rich enough. And we, I Mm -hmm. I think we really need to, you know, as we're saying, we're these great foodies. we need to really understand that our foods are rich enough and without adding, you know, all this extra stuff to it and just learn to really just appreciate the foods that we have just at a, a very organic level, you know, but who knows how we're going to get to that point. <laughs> hmm.
1: Yeah. I would say like salt, I love salt. And I mean, then salt is necessary. I mean, salt is actually an electrolyte. So, I think salt, and I mean salt in moderation, is critical for your health. Like without salt, you know, you're gonna start getting muscle cramps, um, you know, and eventually, if you don't have any salt in your system, your heart will stop because salt is sort of the conductor of electricity, gives you heartbeat rhythm, keeps your nervous system going. So it's like when you have too much salt, is where it can start to raise your blood pressure levels and you know, and have a detrimental effect, but I also think that it's important the type of salt that you eat, so, like, I I prefer, like, a, a, a pink Himalayan sea salt um, because it's so rich in minerals, and you know what? I actually put a little bit of my water, so I like to keep my electrolytes up, but, you know, popcorn, I don't really eat popcorn that often because popcorn's um, not really keto, but, if you start considering other other spices you know that you can add to things to offset your your desire for salt, you know you can put on popcorn nutritional yeast and it gives it a really nice uh you know sort of uh, a cheese type flavor or you can use garlic, you can also use pepper, you can use lemon juice in place of of salt, and you know you shouldn't remove salt from your diet. But if you reduce your your salt, it probably isn't going to hurt you.
0: I thought about that, you know, because I think, well, I don't know how much salt I'm supposed to have, but I just do like it. (laughs) But you're right, you know, everything in moderation, and I mean that's truly that's truly what it is within our bodies and living, you know, a healthy lifestyle and just understanding, trying not to go overboard. Um, and really recognizing, like you know, there, if there's something that you're eating and you don't feel good after you eat it, then you probably don't need to have it, right? But how often do we pay attention to that, <laughs> right? Yeah, and that's but, where, um,
1: and that's where the philosophy is: uh, living to eat versus eating to live. And if you right. can make that shift, you know, where it's like, hey, you know what? I've give, been given this gift, you know, this sacred precious gift of a human body to get me around and to have experiences, you know. And a lot of people take that for granted. And But without our body, without being able to be mobile, you know, our lives essentially come to an end. And this is our vehicle in, in being able to experience the world. And if you want to continue experiencing it, and you want to continue experiencing it, you know, with joy and, and health, um, you know, making sacrifices and not always looking for immediate gratification and not living to eat, but eating to live and taking care of your vessel, your, you know, your vehicle that gets you around. Um, I think that is a pathway that, you know, that's far more satisfying than sitting down and eating a piece of chocolate cake with ice cream with cream and a cherry on top. Absolutely. So,
0: there's Something that you like to do, and I hope I'm saying the name right. What in the world <laughs> is Kent Sugi? <laughs> Am I saying
1: it um, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So I last year started really getting into, I mean, like, I, I love medication and journaling and, you know, and mindfulness. But I think that one of the things that sort of, brought all of those elements together was, um, you know, when I started reading and and practicing kintsugi. And so kintsugi is, it's the art of breaking something, breaking a pot. Mostly it's like you see bowls. So somebody, you know, like an artist or a craftsperson will break a bowl. And then that bowl is reassembled. And when you reassemble it, you use like epoxy, but when you're finishing it, you you fix those cracks with gold. So they actually, a Kintsugi bowl has these cracks that, you know, that are gold. And that's where the real beauty of the, you know, of that bowl comes through. Because the message in it is that it's the broken pieces of ourselves that make us beautiful. And it's those broken pieces that we mend together and heal that are actually stronger than the rest of the bowl, and so it's become this real practice for me in understanding my brokenness, other people's brokenness, and how we can mend ourselves in every in every area, and those spaces of ourselves that we mend and heal are always stronger than the whole and it's just it it really became like an obsession where <laughs> if anything broke, I'm like, oh, I got this. I'll make a kintsugi out of it. So it's like (laughs) we have things around the house that aren't bowls, but things that have just gotten broken that I've decided to fix rather than throw away and actually fix and make a statement about it, that those broken pieces, you know, are the things that make that beautiful and make it stronger. So that's kintsugi for me.
0: Man, (laughs) you're such an interesting guy. This is really all right, well, I have one last question, and it has really nothing to do with what we've been talking about. So mm-hmm. my question to you is, who would you want to play you in a biographical film about your life? Like, who would play Tom King?
1: That's a really good question. I I always go to Brad Pitt because the <laughs> first for the obvious reasons but i i would i would say Brad Pitt because i've seen him really in some more uh you know heavy pieces uh you know where he's really stretched himself uh as an artist like and fight club is my is my favorite movie and i think that you know i don't really see myself in Brad Pitt but <laughs> If you could play that role, I would certainly be flattered.
0: Well, that's awesome. Well, Tom, I really appreciate you and you know you sharing your wisdom and your journey um, of becoming an entrepreneur and building this wonderful brand. I'm mean, really educating the listeners about sweeteners and what it does to our bodies and you know understanding metabolic diseases. Can you do me a favor? Can you let people yeah. know how they can get your product?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yes, thanks, Romika. I, um, yeah, if you if you want to see like the product line and the book that I wrote, it's it's my side hustle. So um, you know you can see it's you know you get to see my true self there. So it's just Gaigon Keto, um, and you can go to gaigonketo dot com. You can go to any of the socials. You know, hashtag Gaigon at sign Gaigon Keto. You. Find me all over the place. If you want to see my, uh, you know, the the company that I'm the CEO of, go to IconFoods.com, and there's a lot of cool science stuff on there. If you're a science geek, check it out. But always feel free to to direct message me if you got questions about my lifestyle, about some of my philosophies. Um, yeah, feel free to you know to DM me on GuyGonKeto or Icon Foods. Wonderful, Tom.
0: Any words of encouragement for the listeners as they strive for more?
1: Well, yes. And, I mean, the, we all have to sort of admit that these are the craziest times that any of us have ever lived through. And I, I'm i kind of an inter, eternal optimist. And, I mean, we just went through two weeks of, of smoke, you know, where I live, where we couldn't even see the sun. It was just blotted out. And yesterday, I saw the sun for for the first time in two weeks. And it it seriously moved me. And it made me really realize that everything is sort of temporary. Like, good things are temporary, but so are bad things. And, and the times that we're going through now, they're going to change, and we're going to heal. And I would say to go back to, you know, what my mom used to always tell me when I was down in the dumps, is that, you know, the darkest hour is just before dawn. And I really feel that if we can all galvanize, if we can all get together and we can show each other a little more grace and a little more love, that our best days could possibly be ahead of us.
0: Wonderful words of encouragement. Tom, thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I wish you and family nothing but blessings and abundance in your
1: future. Uh-huh.
0: Please take care.
1: Yes, likewise. And thank you so much for, for having me on. I appreciate it. And I love the questions and, and love what you do.
0: Are you interested in growing your business? Then send me an email at at email.com. You can advertise and spotlight your business on one of my episodes. I would be delighted to help you grow your business, and expose your product or service to a brand new audience. Continue to strive for more and live your best life now. See you in the next episode.